All right. Welcome to Data Hurls. My name is Michael Burke. And I'm Chris Detzel. And today we're going to talk about data. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, aren't you? Absolutely. All right. Welcome to another Data Hurdles. I'm Chris Detzel and... I'm Michael Burke. How are you doing, Chris? Pretty good, man. How about you? I'm doing good, man. My run today was tough. Went out for another two and a half miles. Uh, did it indoors today because outside is just rainy and in the high 70s right now. Not a fun place to be running. I got ready, walked outside like it was like in the movies. You know, I opened my garage. They get blasted with that humidity, and I was just like, no way. I'm going back inside. This is awful. Well, I'm in Dallas, and I did almost a four-mile run today. And when I went out, it was probably like at 9 a.m. or so, 9.30, and it was already yeah. really hot. I think it was 85 degrees and super humid and nasty. And so I was like, oh, I can't get six in. And so I got four in. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> that humidity, if we have that during our half, we're going to be so screwed. But uh, you see us both like taking the. No, I, by, by the way, <laughs> we won't. It's, it's going to be in Utah. And so there's not going to be much humidity there. Um, That's true. And That's it's just true. going to be, you know, breathing is just going to be hard, you know, because we'll have mm -hmm. a little bit of a, uh, what do you call it? Um, I don't know, but whatever. Um, you know, today, I'm really excited about today. It's something that you and I have been talking about for the last week or two. Uh, and, and the topic today is around AI strategy. And, uh, you know, you and I talk to a lot of leaders within, um, whether it's IT, uh, within data and things like that. And what we've learned is, and, and you could talk a little bit about this, is that you know there's a lot of cool things out there around AI and a lot of things that you know people just want to go after. But what we're not hearing is a good strategy around AI. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that today and what that sort of looks like. We'll probably go into three different parts. Uh, one is today is a high level. And then we'll kind of look at the business of AI strategy and then maybe even the tech of AI strategy in, in some uh, episodes later down the road. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I love it. I mean, I think that I get this question all the time when I'm at conferences is, how do I, where do I start? How do I set up an AI strategy? And right now, in particular, with generative AI, everybody seems to be focused on using generative AI, right? Um, and so we're going to dive into this, but like I think that what you'll you'll get from me and what you're going to get out of this these talks, especially on the business side, is that you know AI is a tool first and foremost, right? And uh, yeah. and we have to be as leaders thinking about the problems and thinking about how to solve problems differently. So I hope that in this podcast we're going to go a little bit deeper into how does that methodology work. And what are some of the things that you should be thinking about as you're developing those problem statements and working through them? Okay, yeah. And so as we kind of think about that, how do you how would you define the importance of having an AI strategy for business today? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this quest this question uh, always gets me a little bit. I think it used to be more important, right? But nowadays, if you don't yeah. have an AI strategy, your business is probably at risk. Right. I mean, there there are far and few organizations out there that I would say probably don't need to be thinking about AI right now. You know, everybody should be investing 
in an AI strategy and thinking about things like efficiencies or operational gains or the competitive landscape that they play in. You know, and having an AI strategy enables you to really harness the power of data to automate processes and make more informed decisions and deliver personalized experiences. And when you think about how the world has changed over the course of the past 10 years, that's now become an expectation, right? Yeah, what do you, what do you, what are some key like considerations uh, companies should, you know, keep in mind when they formulate this strategy, AI strategy? So we talked about this just a moment ago, but tools are not the solution, right? And generative AI is not a solution. It is a tool. I think that AI is getting smarter, so it's starting to feel like these things could be solutions, but they still are tools. Yeah. And so overall, when you're starting out, you need to clearly define business objectives and align them with AI initiatives to your overall strategic goals. Um, you should understand the organization's current capabilities, right? Do you have a culture and the talent available uh, to embark on this grand AI strategy that you're thinking about? Do you have the right data available? Uh, and do you have the right technolo technology infrastructure, right? Are you on the cloud? Are you on-prem? Do you need to upgrade software or hardware in order to develop an AI strategy? Um, and then finally, considering things like ethical implications, right? Is, does your AI strategy have any concerns around privacy, or legal or compliance issues, right? Um, you know, we saw this especially earlier in early AI development of uh, potential bias, right? And, you know, there was some great documents that came out years ago now on around uh, providing loans, right? And, and what would be seemingly uh, a really good thing that could help optimize process and efficiencies in one area could unintentionally be causing a lot of harm in other areas. So I just I just think being completely aware and having the right experts and acting with the right transparency um, really will help. As and we can dive into that a little further later in the talk too. Yeah, one of the things I was thinking about is, and I was reading some of this is, look, you should have an overarching business strategy already. How do you intertwine your AI strategy into that already existing business strategy? You shouldn't just change everything, right? right. So I think that's key is, is, is because, you know, everybody's just kind of running around with the with their heads cut off like chickens, right? You know, it's like, oh my God, what do I do? Oh my God, you know what I mean? And so I don't think we should do that. We definitely should kind of go back to the existing strategy that you have as a business and think about how AI can be incorporated into that overarching business strategy is my thinking there. So totally, um, totally. I mean, the last conference I was at, there was 20 people in a room, right? And I said, how many people are going to their board and asking for more resources and funding right now? Everybody in the room raised their hand. And I was like, how many of you have a clearly defined AI strategy, which you'd like to share today or talk about? one person raised their hand, right? And this is so common. And these are some of the smartest people in the world, right, at these conferences. This week we're all CDOs. Yeah. And when you think about that, um, you realize that introducing change like this in a broad way really has to align with your business initiatives, exactly like what you're saying. And if it doesn't, creating that strategy and changing the way people think is going to be extremely difficult. So you really have to know as you dive into this, is your company ready 
to have an AI strategy? And at what scale and positioning do you want to dive into this? Yeah, I agree. How can companies identify like some of the specific areas within their operations that can benefit from AI implementation? When I'm thinking about AI and kind of how we can develop benefits across the organization, I really look at three main areas typically. Features or things that you can build to improve an experience, whether it's for a customer or internally, whatever your deliverable is that you're producing, how can you enhance it? Enablements, which is really how can you enable AI to be either appended or brought into your product. And you can think about in the large enterprise space, enabling other partners or vendors to integrate into you. Or if you're in the consumer space, you know, it might be purchasing a tool. And then the third one is around efficiencies. How can you take what you're already doing and doing it better, faster, more accurately? How can you improve some of those benchmarks or KPIs that you've already set? with a added boost of AI. When you're diving into kind of thinking about these three areas, some of the places that you'd wanna focus are thinking about things like processes with repetitive tasks or really data intensive workflows or areas where you think that there is a high degree of optimization. And a great example of this is some of the work that's being done right now with artificial intelligence and even generative AI assessing legal contracts where Previously, we had fleets of people who were evaluating, searching, you know, going through cases. And if you can apply generative AI as kind of a first line of defense to go through and search for specific keywords or situations or people, you know, that's going to significantly improve or optimize a problem that typically was very costly. And then also, you know, thinking about identifying pain points or bottlenecks or areas where, you know, there are just, you know, things that do require a high degree of expertise or um, or maintenance or routine. And, and you can seek, if you're, if you're looking to kind of uncover these areas of your business, and so let's say you are a CIO or a CDO, and it might be difficult to see that level of granularity, go reach out to your domain experts, you know, your employees, the people who are on the front line building these things or customer facing employees and start to ask questions to help identify these type, looking at things like repetition or data intensive flows um, or high potential areas of optimization. Yeah, that's good. Um, and so let's get into the meat of this. So what role does data play in developing an effective AI strategy and how should an organization approach the data management piece of it? CIOs, CTOs say, well, we have the data, we just don't know how to use it. Data, you know, we always use terms like data is the fuel of our AI systems. It's the fuel of driving your business initiatives. For a lot of people, that still means like, oh, we just have to collect the data. And really, organizations need to do so more to get to the point where they can implement an AI strategy. They have to organized, structured, uh, refined and governed information that is well printed and that people understand. And I think only really then when you have that kind of control over your information, can you start to think about implementing AI on top of that to drive automation with your data. Everyone uses this term garbage in, garbage out, right? But the reading is that it's really about maintenance and ownership of this information and, and really an understanding of it to be able to figure out what you can do, what is the potential of that. And so organizations that have that foundation, that backbone of high quality data, they're able to move much faster with implementing an AI strategy because they already have that understanding of what's available to them and what they would need to answer these challenging questions. Seems complex. 
<laughs> to start. You know, and I think that you can start small, right? You don't have to have it for the entire organization. As an example, if you're trying to optimize a process on your website, you want users to, you know, click on a button or buy a product. As a very simple example, you need to understand how your customers are interacting with your exist site. And if you don't have that data, there is nothing that you can train any kind of machine learning or artificial intelligence to be able to optimize that process. If you're doing large language models and you're doing prompt engineering, you need to have really good questions and answers to help tune the model on where and how it should be responding back to a customer when generating a response. So it is just, you don't have to be an expert across every facet of your company. But specifically, if you've identified a problem point, you need to, at the very least, at first, make sure you're collecting the right data to answer that problem. Okay. All right. That's, I mean, obviously. Are there any ethical or legal implications that, you know, companies need to be mindful of when deploying AI solutions? So we talked a bit about addressing the potential bias, bias fairness, transparency, mm -hmm. the algorithms. This is becoming more and more important as we evolve as a society as regulation catches up to how companies are using data. You know, being able to comply and be in compliance is something that's becoming more and more complicated with privacy laws, with handling sensitive data, right? These are challenging times. And so as a small organization, it's really difficult to get up and running and make sure that you are acting responsibly and acting in with the right fairness currency when you implement these algorithms. So, you know, there are tons of really good resources out there if you don't already have this kind of expert counsel on your team. If you do, please leverage them, bring them into the conversation from day one on how you're developing products using artificial intelligence. Uh, and that will, you know, definitely help prevent any kind of catastrophic or major incidences in the future as you start to implement and test out these ideas and prototypes. It's a good point. And, you know, I think as a business that is starting to not just implement AI, but AI technologies, you know, you've got to do your due diligence to the company that you're trying to implement and making sure they're, you know, I think there's all kinds of risks and security kind of things. And so, you know, my advice is <laughs> you have to do your due diligence. Don't just assume that that company, that AI company or that has all this AI inside of it has done all their due diligence because people are just going fast right now and companies are just trying to, to, to implement, not just implement, but just build products that are going to do some AI type stuff. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense, but um, next question. Yeah. So, how can companies ensure the successful integration of AI technologies with their existing workflows and systems? So again, it's about identifying these integration points for AI, right? If you are in the cloud, if you are operating AWS or Google, you have a lot more opportunity to implement AI quickly and efficiently. If you're a manufacturing company working with machinery from the 70s or the C's, you're gonna to have to get a lot more creative on what are those integration points. Maybe it's purchasing sensors or, or additional equipment to share something within your manufacturing process. I would say also, you know, providing training on how to integrate, maintain, and manage these types of integrations is going to be a huge piece to that. And also 
collaborating with any kind of IT or technical teams to ensure that you have compatibility, scalability, and security in these solutions, right? At the end of the day, this data that's being collected and processed for these models is of the utmost importance. It should be considered something that is proprietary, sensitive to your business, and typically is making a, you know, or should be making a sizable business impact on your proper organization. So you really want to make sure that you have the proper protection and scalability baked in at an enterprise grade product. Yeah, it makes sense. What are some potential challenges or barriers that organizations might face when uh, they actually implement AI and how can they overcome them? Right, so I think the first one is a lack of talent. There's so many teams out there right now that are like, we have to invest in generative AI we have no data scientists, right? We don't have a team of data stewards that understand our data. We don't have data engineers or a legal team, or we don't have all these components that are required. And a lot of times it, with people who don't understand the technical aspects of this, they're thinking, you know, I can just jump right to implementing machine learning and AI. And the truth is, is that there are a lot of levels of infrastructure and complexities that need to be sought out before you jump into implementing or even investing in AI. I think the other big piece is data quality and accessibility, right? Data doesn't necessarily even just need to be accessible. It needs to be of high quality, right? So do you have the proper management strategies and data partnerships to really answer the questions or the KPIs that you've set out to go after? And then the biggest one, and probably the most hard, most difficult to change is really this idea of culture and a resistance to change, right? How can you, as a technology leader, communicate the benefits and provide the proper education and involve employees who might be skeptical in this process to change a culture? You know, I've been through a couple culture changes in my career trying to buck up against what was the norm. It is an incredibly challenging process. Right, you've got naysayers at every angle coming at you with different ways to break down or, you know, deteriorate a project that you're trying to invest into. It's incredibly difficult. So, you know, if you're just starting out, one of the best things that I would recommend is find an area where you have passionate people who want to adopt a new technology or want to try to do something differently. If you don't have that, it's going to be an uphill battle from day one, and it'll be incredibly difficult. And I think communicating that vision consistently, constantly, and as much as possible is the key. So having a good vision, having good leadership, all those things are going to be important when, when you go through this change. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're not leading the data team or if you aren't a CTO or CDO, mm -hmm. getting buy-in from those executive stakeholders always helps, right? If you're a director or a manager and you want to drive change within your organization, find that executive sponsorship and help drive change upwards. I want to touch on something that you mentioned is lack of talent and expertise. <laughs> I kind of think there's going to be a lot of that uh, right now. And so can you touch upon like what kind of talent is needed? And, and maybe that's a whole podcast in itself. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, there's been a lot of talk right now. The market as a whole is kind of saturated with people from all areas and all walks of life becoming data scientists. And that's okay. But that also means that kind of the, the talent pool that was here 10 years ago is diluted quite a bit. I would say when you're looking to build out a team, if you don't have a team already, think about 
what assets you do have available to you. If you don't have a data strategy in general, you need to develop that first, right? So that's talking yeah. about hiring data engineers, data stewards, you know, possibly even people to help run reporting, you know, BI analysts. And then once you have that under your belt and you feel like you have a solid data strategy, you can start thinking about, okay, how do I now move forward? I have governance, I have transparency, I have quality. How do I move forward and invest in AI and bring on that data scientist? If you do that out of order, you're very likely going to hire a data scientist who's going to get very little done in their job there. Yeah. Because they're going to spend most of their time doing what the data stewards and the data engineers should have been doing for probably about six to 12 months before you started doing machine learning within their first year to two of work. Such good advice. Now, here's a tough one, and it's always a tough kind of thing on how can business measure excessive ROI for their you know, AI initiatives. What do you think? Yeah. So this is this is a tough one because obviously it's very company specific. But you know, when you're thinking about a target that you need to measure, just make sure it's clear and it's simple to start out with, right? Find something that's really aligned with the business objectives and I'll give you an example in a minute. But you know, track these performance indicators and and focus on uh, how they relate to the the challenge or the vision that you're trying to solve with artificial intelligence and conduct regular evaluations of this, you know, constantly compare it against baselines or industry benchmarks if you have them available and start to understand what is the standard run rate that your company operates at for that specific KPI. And then on top of that, how much is AI changing that? And if you can measure those two variables, you start to tell a really good story. And if there's one thing I've learned in being in a complicated uh, space like artificial intelligence is that you need to simplify everything and tell a very clear and concise story to everyone around you to get them to understand, buy in, invest in this life cycle. And if you don't, you're going to just get lost in the technical weeds with everyone. So, you know, some great examples of that are if you're trying to do something around cost savings, right? What is the dollar amount, as an example? Or, you know, if it's time, what is the time saved? If you're looking at a productivity improvement, what is that? Is it time to value, right? Is it revenue? Is it reducing your CAC? You know, pick a metric, focus on it, and then start to build. If you Once you have that metric and you've started tracking that at a high level, start to understand, well, what are all the other supporting metrics underneath that that you need to really answer that question thoroughly and confidently within your organization? Uh, and as you spin off more projects, how do those projects and what can you track within those projects that rolls up to answer that major K KPI? And what, how does it contribute to helping with that KPI? Uh, I think that that lineage of a story, right? You created something that produced customized advertisements within your organization to drive traffic to your website. Well, how much traffic does do those customizable ads drive compared to the ones that the marketing team was creating manually, right? You have to have that kind of comparison story to be able to show improvement with artificial intelligence. And at any point that you can do that, you drive a stronger story that allow you to drive more investment and ultimately continue to grow and beef up the quality and size of your team to do more. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what those metrics look like in the future and, and how people are tracking this kind of stuff. And I mean, you mentioned some really good ones, but th those are hard to do. <laughs> you know, so It's incredibly uh, hard to do. And I, it, 
as a leader, that takes a ton of time, right? Time and energy and mm -hmm. so much more than I think most people realize. But if you don't have that foundation of properly tracking a KPI, you've got nothing because then you just have an idea that you're implementing. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, but you know, that's, I think that's important. What, are, what do you think like are some common misconceptions or myths about an AI strategy and you know, how do you think they can be debunked? Oh, there's so many fun ones right now. Like AI replacing humans, right? I mean, these things, you've heard, we've heard these in sci-fi films for years. And, you know, although it is kind of exciting and interesting to think about what the future will hold for us in 100 years or 50 years, and, and I just feel like that is, is not going to happen, right? Like we have regulators, we have governance, we have laws for reasons, and that is to help control the safety and growth of us as humans. I don't think that we are going to have any kind of like AI replacing humans, at least not likely in my <laughs> lifetime. You know, ultimately, anything that you're doing with artificial intelligence or machine learning, right, it's really meant to augment human capabilities. It's meant to drive more value, make humans more efficient, make them better at what they're doing. And sure, in some areas, you'll start to see AI kind of replace roles that probably could be automated better by machines. But it doesn't mean that we're going to replace humans and, he, and human talent will be repurposed for other areas to drive efficiency Agreed. and productivity. Um, another one that I love is like that AI is just this silver bullet, right? AI is just you, you implement it and it's just going to change everything in your business. <laughs> and you hear this a lot from people who don't understand the technology or who read too many, you know, uh, news articles on ChatGPT. It, it, it requires a lot of skill, structure, discipline to your business, to your data. Success relies on this proper implementation and alignment of your business goals. And it also requires investing in a lot of skilled people. So if you don't have all of these things in tandem, you don't have AI and you will not have a silver bullet. And any company that looks like they have a silver bullet, and you think of the Amazons and Netflix of the world, right? They're investing hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars to get to these kind of futuristic states. Uh, and it's really easy to get lost in thinking the AI is just doing that without all of these experts underneath fine tuning every piece of those systems. And then Great. I think the final one that, and this is a kind of an interesting side, I, I think I've told you guys this before, but my, my wife works in the manufacturing space. You know, I have a bunch of friends in, in completely different areas than the tech world that you and I work in, Chris. And yeah. I think that one thing that's almost disheartening and starting to change now is that, oh, well, you know, AI is only for tech companies, right? AI can yeah. be beneficial for every organization. And I would say now more than ever, these industries that typically didn't invest in AI are primed to have AI in like smart startups take over, right? Because mm -hmm. the, the ways in which they can accelerate business and drive, you know, speed and efficiencies is unprecedented and people aren't investing in those areas. So, you know, you're starting to see this across so many different industries now, whether it's manufacturing or agriculture or financial services, where these smaller startups are just taking sizable chunks of business away from these behemoth organizations that haven't been able to adapt fast enough or invest quickly enough to change that culture in which they've been working for the past hundred years. Yeah. Um, you know, 
it's always challenging to bring change to any culture that's been around for that long. Uh, and so bringing in AI, not to say they won't, but it's also going to be a challenge. Um, that's just the way those organizations work, you know. So can you provide, and I think we're going to sum this up here in a bit, but provide some examples of, you know, companies that have successfully implemented AI strategies and maybe even some of the benefits that they have achieved. So I think some some good examples that we'll start off with, we'll do a couple big tech ones and then we'll dive into some others, is like, you think of the Amazons of the world, right? When you think of what is Amazon, and I'm talking now about the e-commerce site, what is their purpose? You could say, well, it's to sell you stuff, right? But it's not just to sell you things, it's to sell you things that you need or want or are looking for. And so one of the ways that you can help do that to for a consumer is by providing things like recommendation systems, right? And if you ever go on Amazon, you start searching for something, all of a sudden you just get presented with like hundreds of similar products. And, you know, they're recommending things, things are popping up and you know, sometimes I feel like I go on there to buy something and I find three other things that I need. Right? <laughs> and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is is completely debatable. And we could go into probably a whole nother podcast about kind of, mm -hmm. you know, the life expectancy of things like recommendation engines. But, you know, at the end of the day, I've bought something that I wanted and Amazon presented me with an array of products that I wanted faster and more efficiently than any other company. You know, I've got it delivered to my house yeah. in two days. And I could drive down to the hardware store to pick up, you know, the specific screw that I need. Or I could sit in the comfort of my home, order it on Amazon, and have it in 24 to 48 hours, right? Like, that is incredible. And you think about the ease of use and the accessibility that it provides to getting niche products across the, the entire country. Uh, it's huge. Now, you know, there's the trade-off that, you know, you're taking away from small businesses and all of these other organizations around you that you should be purchasing from. Um, but, you know, that's not here or there. And they've been We're doing this for years, by the way. Systems. Yeah. Yeah, years. Yeah. They've been know. doing this for a long time. You know, this is not this is not something new. And they're doing it all through AI-powered uh, recommendation system stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's crazy because... You know, you can get on Amazon, buy something, and they'll say, most people also buy this with this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yep. Yep. You know, another good example is how many of you have cars that have been produced within the last, you know, five to ten years? You probably have emergency brake systems, right? Mm -hmm. A huge implementation and, a, and an incredibly valuable feature that's life-saving. And I don't know about you, Chris, but I've had it happen a few times where I was driving in the highway, all of a sudden there was some traffic that came up unexpectedly, and my brakes automatically slowed my car down, right, without me having to slam on the brakes. And you just look at technology like that and you think, how much of an impact has this made on making the world a safer place? Right? That's driven by artificial intelligence. That's driven by these proximity sensors, realizing that you're approaching a stationary object too quickly, taking an action for you faster possibly than you could. Um, and so you think about these areas where what is the job of an auto manufacturer? And for the companies that pioneered this technology, it was, well, we want to make the safest vehicle possible. And so they invented a sensor in a way to sense objects around you that could provide a threat. And they, and they automated the process of protecting you, right? Thinking that your reactions might not always be present or aware of the things changing in your environment. 
And you think of today how that's even been accentuated by things, companies like Tesla, as an example, where you've got autonomous driving, right? Capabilities that are going to help keep you in between the lanes and detect cars around you or people around you or objects of risk. And not only just slow you down, but also steer around them, right? Um, It's a whole other world where, you know, you could debate in and outs of whether autonomous vehicles are a good thing or a bad thing. But at the end of the day, they're helping provide a safer and more enjoyable experience for the consumer. And that's going to drive value for anybody who's sitting in front of a car. So, you know, those are a couple examples. There are, you know, millions upon millions that we could dive into, but... I hope that this was beneficial for those that are listening today. Uh, I think that we are in future and subsequent episodes going to dive into a lot more details on the technical capabilities. What do you need from an actual feature? What kind of tools should you be using? And maybe we'll even walk through a couple of really good examples of how we can get started there. And then also from a business side, what does strategy really mean? How do you articulate that to your business stakeholders? Uh, and how do you create those stories that really drive value within your organization? Um, so, Chris, unless there's anything else, thank you so much. This was a good one. I'm really happy that you got me to do this, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I appreciate it, Michael, and I know our audience will like this a lot. So thank you for tuning in to another Data Hurdles. Please rate and review us. Uh, I'm Chris Detzel, and... I'm Michael Burke. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you.